is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I do what it tells me to do. And I love my Bible. So I make this as a confession. That I will meditate therein. Both day and night. On a chapter in the morning. And a chapter in the evening. And because I do. My life is blessed. No more mess. Now everything I touch. Everything I touch turns to success. If you believe that, shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And welcome, welcome to Faith Family Church. Thank you all for joining us online and being a part of this service. I've got an awesome message from the Lord, and I believe it's just for you. You all ready to get into that today? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this another opportunity to meditate your word. Your word is indeed a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We ask you to shine the light of your word to us today by the Holy Spirit. Help us to see it. Help us to get it. Your word for us today in the name of Jesus. As we celebrate fathers, we come to our heavenly father and we look to you for instruction in your word. Let not one of us leave the same way that we came. Let us all be changed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're continuing our series. I didn't know I was going to continue the series because it's Father's Day. I thought I would be teaching a traditional message about fathers. But the word of the Lord came to me and I got really, really excited about it on Monday. So I've been carrying this message since Monday and I'm excited to deliver it to you today. So in the series, like Jonah, we are all examining ourselves to see if there's any area, anything in us that's like Jonah. If you know the story of Jonah, prophet of God, had a call upon his life, an assignment to speak that which God would give him to say. God came to him and said, I want you to go and I want you to do this in this particular area. Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction of where he was supposed to be. Immediately, he ran into tough times. I mean, a bunch of bad things started happening to him. Because he's, he's, he's running away from God rather than doing what God talked to him about. Other people tried to help him disobey God. Have you ever been there where people in your life were helping you do the wrong thing? And so it was, he even got to the place that he didn't care no more about his life, wanted to die. I've been there. He said, just throw me over the board. Rather than turning around and going to do what God was asking him to do, he'd rather die than to obey God. I hope that's not you. Sure enough, they threw him overboard and they said, Lord, don't put this on us or charge us with this at all. And sure enough, God had prepared a fish to save Jonah's life. Fish swallowed him up. He's there three days and three nights in the belly of this well. And then he came to himself. He came to his senses. And he prayed in the belly of that well. In Jonah chapter 2, I want to look at a part of what he prayed. He says here in verse 7, When my soul fainted, when I wanted 
to give up and quit. Within me, I remembered the Lord. I remembered him calling me. I remember that he has a plan for my life. I remember what he said to me. And my prayer went up to him. And I came into, as it were, his holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols, other things that they have set up as gods in their lives, they forsake their own mercy. But you know, I'm going to sacrifice to you, God, with a voice of thanksgiving. I'm going to do what I've committed to you that I would do. Salvation is of the Lord. At that moment where he decided, you know what? I'm going to stop running. Things have been tough. I got to my lowest low. My soul, which is my mind, my will, and my emotions on the inside of me want to throw in the towel and just give up on the dreams that I've had in life. When I got to that place, I remembered the very nature of God, of the Father. And I said, you know what? With a voice, other people may forsake the mercy of God. But I'm not going to forsake his mercy. I'm going to do what God commanded me to do. He made that decision at a very tough point in his life. And the next verse says, immediately the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited him onto dry land. Hallelujah. So my question to you is, in your, in your life, are there areas where you're like Jonah? where you've been going in a wrong direction, opposite of what God said, and you find yourself going through tough times. If you're here today or if you're listening to this and you've been going through tough times, when you go through bad times, sometimes it's an indication, not all the time, but sometimes when just one thing after another, after another, after another, after this, and if it, if it, when it rains, it pours. If it ain't one thing, come on, somebody, then it's enough. If you've been there and if you've done that, sometimes it's an indication that you might be going in the wrong direction. You might be running from God rather than running to God. And I want you to look in yourself and see if you can identify that in this series. So today we're going to talk about running from responsibilities. So I usually like to search and find a graphic that kind of depicts a picture of what God is saying to you and to me today. And I want to ask the question, is this you? And I don't mean you saying both. Is this a picture of, of you in life running from the call of God on your life, running from God? Running from responsibilities or running from commitment. So we're going to look at today specifically about you running from your responsibilities. You have responsibilities in this life. And my question is, are you like Jonah running from those responsibilities? Amen. 
And there's three particular responsibilities that we're going to look at. You have spiritual responsibilities, you have family responsibilities, and you have financial responsibilities. Kind of like these three guys here trying to catch this dude. Amen. We're celebrating fathers today. And one of the things that I've learned is that just because you have the genitalia, that doesn't make you a man. When you ask the question, what makes a man a man, what you'll find is that it's the acceptance of responsibility. Your genetic makeup might make you a male or a female, but that neither makes you a man or a woman. Because you can have the makeup and just be a boy or a girl. But when we go from being a child to being an adult, it's not 18, which is the legal age, or 21, which is this for that, or whatever the case, that, that you know, you can rent a car without this extra thing at 25 or whatever the case. Listen, what makes a man a man and a woman a woman is the acceptance of responsibility. In the book of Genesis, I'm talking about a man running from his responsibilities rather than taking responsibility. It's happened from the beginning of human history where individuals were told, and like Adam and his wife, placed in the garden, given a job to dress and to keep the garden, all the trees in the garden, but they had one job. They were to work on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but they weren't to partake of it. And actually, that's kind of like the tithe. Giving God 10% of your income, you work for 100%, but you should honor the Lord with your substance and give him 10%. Amen. Which means you worked for it, but you didn't partake of it. It's just like it was in the garden. But they got to looking at it like some of us do. This is good. I could use this. I could use this for that. And we find ourselves going against God just as Adam did. I want you to notice, of course, the voice of the Lord. God came calling in the garden. I mean, his wife was standing there at the tree because they've got to dress it. They've got to keep it. They've got to be around it. And sure enough, one day she was there attending to it. He was also with her. And the serpent said to her, you know, did God say that you can't eat this? And she said, well, God said that we can't eat it and neither can we touch it in the day that we would die. And he said, well, no, God didn't say that. You're not going to die. You're going to be. He didn't want you. Wow. And she listened to the serpent and partook of the fruit. She did the opposite of what God said, just like Jonah went in the opposite direction, gave it to her husband. Now, she was beguiled. He wasn't deceived. He went in with eyes wide open. Here's my point. But when God came to him, he didn't accept responsibility for his actions. Like so many of us, he played the blame game. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 9, the Bible says, Then the Lord God called Adam and said to him, Where are you? Now, any time, this dawned on me, it got like revelation from this. Any time God asks you a question, it is not for his benefit. 
We talked about last week that God, one of the things that makes God God is he, he's omniscient, he's omnipotent, and he's omnipresent. That's what makes God God. Amen. He's all powerful. He's everywhere present at the same time. And he has all knowledge, past, present, and future tense. Do you think God is asking him, like, hey, anybody seen Adam? Adam! Where are you? Right? No. How many of y'all know God knew exactly you trying to hide from God? The psalmist said, where can I go to hide? You're everywhere. So notice then, well, why is he asking him this question? This is important because he's giving him an opportunity just like he gives us an opportunity to accept responsibility and not run from him. Adam didn't make it. He said, this woman you get. Matter of fact, <laughs> matter of fact, not only did Adam blame the woman, he blamed God. He said, this woman that you gave me. <laughs> My question to you today, I believe it's God's question to you today, is where are you right now in your life? And particularly in relationship with God, where are you? Some of you, in your relationship with the Lord, you're not where you're supposed to be. There's things in your life that are not the way that they should be. And rather than dealing with it and getting it right in relationship, I've already said sin is not the big deal. It's the unrighteousness. And unrighteousness doesn't allow you to stand in the presence of God and feel okay. Unrighteousness makes you feel bad. God doesn't make you feel bad. The people of God, they shouldn't make you feel bad. Being in church, that shouldn't make you feel bad. Where are you? In your personal relationship with God. So one of the things that you could be running from is a spiritual responsibility in that relationship. There are certain things that you should be doing in relationship with God. There's another man. Well, before I get to that, uh, the, the successful Christians have four characteristics. And this you should know. Because this is your basic spiritual responsibility. If you are not doing these things that I'm about to list, then I can submit to you, you may not be in a good relationship with God. Because all of these things are directed by him. Number one, successful Christians meditate the word, what? Daily. Number two, they pray daily. And I always say, and not just for their food. <laughs> Prayer is absolute communion with God. Number three, they attend church weekly. I didn't say monthly or biweekly. It's quiet in this church, I know, because <laughs> you weren't here last week. Amen. Now I'm messing with you. They attend church weekly. This is what a successful Christian does, because the Bible says not to forsake the assembling of yourself together as the manner of some is God said don't miss the family meal 
Jesus said it this way. Man can't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Never will it be on a Sunday morning will I get up and just be comfortable without conscience and not go to church. And not just because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a lover of God and I'm in relationship with him, I want to be in his presence. Amen. And the fourth thing successful Christians do is they serve on a dream team. Yes, sir. Had to put that one in there. I was going to leave it off. But if you really track it, if you look at it, it's, it's a commandment. If you are living your life and you're not volunteering in some capacity, and, and I understand there's some of us have callings that are unique in, re- in reference to the local church. Most of us, many of us are called to serve in the local church, but some of us have passions that may take us out to volunteer in ministries at the hospital or at a homeless shelter or in the neighborhood or in community or to work with boys and girls and certain things. But if you're not doing anything and not being paid for it, then you're missing a moment with God because he says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Amen? Amen. There's another guy who was running from God, running from responsibility. Elijah found himself in a real bad way. He was another man of God who even found himself at the place where his soul fainted to the point where he wanted to die. Just take my life. I don't want to live anymore. And so if you've been going through really, really tough times and, you know, you don't like your life right now, then pay attention. God came to him just like he came to Adam, just like he's coming to you today. God said to him when he went into the cave, he spent the night in that place. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And that's my question to you is what are you doing? What are you doing in this place? I woke up. I don't know if it was Monday or Tuesday, but I had to immediately write it down. And this is for someone. I don't know if you're here or if you're online or whatever the case may be. One of the biggest lies that the enemy has been able to sell people is to get them to think that they shouldn't go to church because of how they're living. This almost angers me. He lies to us. The devil does. To make us think or feel that we shouldn't go to church because of what we're doing. Because of the sin that's in our lives. When I've already told you. From the foundation of the world, the Lamb of God was slain. He paid the price for all your sins. Past and present and future. Why would you let What's going on in your life? Keep you from being where you are supposed to be. You're running from responsibility. What are you doing in that place? I remember this. There's a woman. Jesus intentionally got to a certain place. The disciples got hungry. He said, well, just leave me here. Everywhere he went, it was purposeful. They leave him, and there's a woman over here, a a woman he's not even supposed to be speaking to, different race. And 
He said to her, will you give me some water? Ended up in a conversation with her intentionally. And he got to the place in the, in, in the message, in, in the, in the conversation where he said, well, go call your husband. Go call your husband. John chapter 4, verse 16. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. So she was perpetrating as if she was married, acting. And again, he's God, knows everything. But he says, go call your husband. Again, anytime God says something to you, ask you a question, it's not for his benefit. When he asked Elijah, what are you doing here? God's not asking for his benefit. He's giving Elijah an opportunity to deal with some things inside of him that need to change, to accept responsibility and to go in the direction that God says. In this woman's life, he's doing, she's shack, I don't know if they used that term back in biblical times, but she was shacking up. Oh, it's quiet in this church. <laughs> Think about that. And, there, and, there, and again, like I said, I woke up, it was clear as day that one of the biggest lies that the enemy perpetrates is that because of how you're living, you don't need to be that close with God because you've got these things going on in your life. And what I hope you see, like Jonah, none of that matters. The Bible says that the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. They're without repentance. And he didn't call you based on your ability to live a perfect life. He called you based on his ability to make you right. You couldn't be right if you tried to be right. Just like Jesus couldn't sin if he tried to sin. God made you righteous who knew no righteousness. So the point is, don't run from the calling and the don't run from God. You know, if you're in a living situation again, I don't know if it's the person here or or online. If you're in a living situation where the person that you, you your clothes are there and their clothes are there and everything's tied together right now. Don't stay away from God. Come to him. He'll help you get it right. Oh, this is so good. This is so good. Let me go on to the second one is you've got family responsibilities. You've got family responsibilities. One of the greatest lessons. A uh, bit emotional today. It was Father's Day. My, my dad is a good father. He's alive. But you know, still touches me, and I, I know some uh, may be here, and it's a difficult day. It doesn't have to be. But one of the greatest lessons that my dad taught me was to take care of my family. He taught me that before I actually had a family. You know, I've been, you know, unmarried for so long. But I even understand it more now that I have a family. He said that his father was the one thing that his father taught him was to take care of your family. I want to talk about that for a moment. Because are you the guy that's running from responsibility where your family is concerned? In the book of Ephesians chapter 5, 
23. The Bible says that the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. I want you to notice here that the husband has responsibility. He's responsible for that family. And I know this isn't contemporary and certainly isn't politically correct that the husband is the head of the wife. But in the day and the age in which we live, it's as if the world would make you to think that it's inequality, that it's, it's them together in their marriage and they are the head of household. No, to God, he says the husband is spiritually, naturally, and financially responsible to take care of his family. Just like with Adam, he didn't come, Adam, Eve, where are y'all? He came to the man, even though she's the one that opened the door. When he shirked his responsibility, he also said to the woman, did you eat of the tree that I told you not to eat? All of us have responsibility. In the book of Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 4, the Bible tells us about that head of household and particularly the father. He says, and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and in the admonition of the Lord. How many have ever heard about a mom raising the kids? And that, you know, one of the responsibilities in a family for the wife or the mother is to, to raise the kids. And the, and the father goes off to work and, and, you know, provides for the family. But the wife or the mother's job is to, is to raise the kids. That's, again, not politically, it may not be politically clear the way the world is, but God says it's the fathers that should bring up the children. Are we running from that responsibility? You know, maybe like that guy up there, and that's uh, child support trying to catch him. It's child support trying to catch you. Ain't gonna, man, I'm going, this is unreported right here. Huh? <laughs> What's the word of, word of the Lord today is take care of your family. And this really grips my heart. We live, one of the biggest deals today, one of the the plagues of society is fatherless homes. Listen to me carefully. 40% of every baby born in a hospital is born to a woman who's not married. That is a big deal. Why? You know, you say, well, that doesn't mean that automatically, well, that father's not going to take his responsibility where that kid is because, you know, he could still, you know, they could co-parent, uh, that's like a new term, co-parent. <laughs> Google it, and it'll give you a definition of what co-parenting is. Like, how are we going to do this? But what happens is, because there's not a bond in marriage, then when she's starting to get on my nerve, or I can't stand him, and now, because there's no bond, there's nothing holding us together, well, I go my way, you know how, you know I was like that before you even met me. So if you, come on now, y'all help me now. 
And so now because the, the dad and the mom aren't clicking, they disconnect. Now another relationship's formed. Now we've got blended families and this child is being raised in a home with somebody that's not their biological parent. And that's not the way God intended it to be. Even besides, even besides the breaks, you still have responsibilities. And you don't jettison or neglect that because of the drama that may be going on. Bring them up in the nurture. Oh, I had to throw this in here. Several uh, months ago, I preached a message about parenting sons and daughters. Just a phenomenal teaching that changed my life, helped me as a new parent to be able to train and, and raise our children. And by the way, man, I didn't realize how important like bringing up the child because in, in natural, you know, when my wife had our two children, you know, I get up in the morning, I go do what I got to do, do work and, you know, take care of stuff. I come home, you know, I change that one diaper, you know, feel real good about myself, you know. Sometimes I, I wipe a little something off the mouth, kind of sit there and help them eat, you know, so forth and so on. And then at, at nighttime, maybe I might help them put on a pajama. <laughs> and, you know, we'll sit there and, she, you know, I'll read a chapter or read a, a, a little story. She'll go, my wife went out of town. I, matter of fact, I know this is Father's Day, but put your hands together for all the mothers. I mean, my wife went out of town. <laughs> my wife went out of town for one whole week, changed my life. <laughs> Talk about raising children in a nurture. That is a huge job. It's 24 7, 365. Hats off to every mom. Amen. But it's so important for us to learn how to parent successfully in our family responsibilities. As parents, there's, the successful parents do three things. Number one, they train zero to 12-year-old children. Number two, they teach their 12 to 19-year-old children. And then number three, they advise their 20 and over Sons and daughters. So parents, please understand, once your child hits 20 and beyond, they're no longer a child. I'm serious. And this is important for you to mentally embrace, because if you treat them like a child, if you talk to them like a child, if you try to teach them like as if they are a child, if you even try to train them or discipline your 20 plus year old, you're going to receive some pushback because that's disrespectful. Oh, it's quiet. Because they are not a child. Paul said in the Bible, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I acted like a child. I talked like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So though, yes, they were your child up until 20. Now they're your son and your daughter. And you've got, I think we've got this whole thing around backwards. I think we try to advise our zero to 12 year olds and our little, no, I don't think you should do that. I don't, I think you should get down. <laughs> I mean, no, that is not going to work. We got it turned around. Somebody say, take care of your family. And all of these three things should be done teaching, 
training and advising them in the acceptance of responsibility. At training zero to 12, you want to train them at that age that if, if, if you did something, you accept that responsibility. You teach them that if you said so, you accept that responsibility. Did you go in the cookie jar? Now we see crumbs on the face. Right? What are we doing? We're giving them an opportunity to what? Not run from, no. <laughs> you know, Johnny, Johnny, yes, Papa. Eating sugar, no, Papa. Telling lies, no, Papa. Open your mouth, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> now, 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 if you don't have a little one right now, then that's the big thing. So God bless you and just bear with me because I'm going through right now. My son, he will do that like 90 times a day. And he'll ask me, Johnny, Johnny. And I'm like, and he'll stay with it if I don't answer me, Johnny, Johnny. <laughs> and then I have to say to him, yes, Papa. And he'll say, Edie Sugar. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, man, it's the trip. Let me finish my message. This is beautiful. We read in our chapter this week. Proverbs chapter 3, because everybody at Faith Family Church reads their Bible Monday through Friday, a chapter in the morning, chapter in the evening. And it blessed me, especially because this, the, the word came to me about running from responsibility. When I read all of Proverbs chapter 3, several times in that one chapter, he kept saying, my son, attend to what I'm saying. Pay attention and listen to me as your father. I then had an unction to search Because the book of Proverbs is written by Solomon to his son. When he sat down to write Proverbs, he wasn't writing Proverbs. He was just as a father writing to his son. Come on, what is he doing? He's taking his his family responsibility. In Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 8, oh man, he says, My son, hear the instruction of your father. Do not forsake the law of your mother. That one phrase, my son, is repeated 22 different times throughout the book of Proverbs. What does that say? It's so important for us as parents to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Take care of your family. <coughs> now, in Proverbs chapter 13, in verse 22, um, a part of that responsibility is financial, where your family is concerned. The Bible says that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. And I would be errant if I didn't take the time to admonish, especially on Father's Day, because it is irresponsible that if you have parented a child or fathered, if you've brought a child into this, this world, that if you were to die, that you didn't leave them something. Oh, I can hear the microphone now. The word man is in italics in this verse. Really, a a, a good man, because he's talking about his children, children, you could say a good father. And that's really the theme of this service is a good father. What does a good father do? He takes care of his family. He leaves an inheritance to his children, children. I mean, please, and I just put this in there as a mental note. I don't know who it's for, but this is important. If you're age 35 or under, 
There's no excuse why you can't get a term life and policy for $100,000 for about $15 a month. Now, I know that only may last for 10 years, but if something happened to you within 10 years, you're putting your children and even your children's children in a better way. It's so important for you to take financial responsibility. Amen. And that leads me to this third man. And then I'm going to conclude with this. Are you running from your spiritual responsibilities? Are you running from your family responsibilities? Are you running from your financial responsibility? You know, you get a call. And you done put it in your phone. Do not answer. It's the debt collector. And you saved the number. I don't know who this is. Maybe it's, maybe it's for somebody on the Internet. Running from financial responsibility. Amen. In First Timothy, and particularly as it relates to your own family, the Bible says in verse 8, if anyone, and this is male, female, this is anybody, does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. How many of y'all see this is serious? And where our families are particularly, we have financial responsibilities. If you're a father, if you're just the head of household, it's important where your children are concerned. And remember, your 20-plus-year-old son and daughter, they own their own. If you have it to be able to do something, great. Oh, it's so quiet. But if not, then you need to be uh, diligent where your finances are concerned. Matter of fact, Dave Ramsey says this in his uh, Nine Steps to Financial Peace, that ch- uh, a child's college Uh, Putting up money for your child's college does not come before you being in a certain position financially where your your uh, retirement investment is concerned. Oh, it's quiet. Well, let's keep it going. But if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those who are in his household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Don't run from your financial responsibilities. And always remember this, is that your church family is also your family. There was a day Jesus was at a certain place he was teaching, and his mother and his brothers came, and they were asking for him. They said, and they stopped him. They said, Jesus, your mother and your brother outside, you going to go talk to them? And he was like, who is my mother? Who is my brother? Oh, y'all got to read it for yourself. It's actually fun to read with a little attitude. I kind of read the Bible with a little attitude. Literally. His mom and his brothers came. And you know, Jesus' meeting were packed. They're folks that couldn't get in. They sent word. Your mother's outside. Your brothers are outside. They want to talk to you. He literally said, who is my mother and who is my brother? Then he stretched his arms out towards his disciples. And he said, these are my mothers and my brothers. And then he said in verse, the next verse, he says, for whoever, listen to this, and this is important. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother, my sister, and my mother. What is he saying here? Your spiritual family is just as important and sometimes 
more important than your flesh and blood. And I've already covered your flesh and blood is important. And you should care for your family. But don't forget, because some of us may be, when God asks, where are you? What are you doing? It may be that you're running from some responsibility where your faith family is concerned. And just like in your natural family, there's some financial responsibilities that each person in the family has. In your faith family, there are some financial responsibilities that you should take care of. Now, I know it's going to be quiet, so at this point, I'll, I'll, I'll look more at the people at the Internet than those that are here. But this is serious because, again, if you've been wondering why are you going through tough time after tough time after tough time after tough time to the point where you don't like your life, and you want to just give it up, and you want to throw in the towel, and you want to, want to quit. And God is trying to ask you questions to help you locate where you are so that you can turn and make the decision like Jonah to start going in a right direction. See, the reason why I say this is because of what Galatians 6 and 10 says. Galatians 6 and 10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all especially to those who are of the household of faith. Doing good where your family is concerned is good. But you especially want to make sure that your faith family is taken care of. I'm going to just, I want to close by talking about tithes and offerings just for a moment. Because even though in the New Testament, You are not commanded to tithe. If you go from Matthew to Revelation, you'll not find one verse where God or Jesus or Paul says, I command you to bring the tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house, et cetera, et cetera. You've got to go back to the Old Testament. Now, just because it's in the Old Testament don't mean you throw the baby out with the bathwater. But the point that I'm making is the only command you have in the New Testament in this order is to love one another like God has loved you. If you decide to freely give to God a tenth of your income like Abraham did, then he's going to bless you on the same order of Abraham all the way through Malachi. He's going to open the windows of heaven and cause the manifest in your life. Could it be that you are constantly going through tough times financially is because you are not taking care of family responsibilities where your church family is concerned? I know this is a tough part to hear, but it's something that God's put upon my heart to say. As you have opportunity, do good, especially to those of the household of faith. A year ago, on June 11th, my life changed. Before that time, I'm the fiduciary at Faith Family Church, so the financial responsibility, the the accountability is upon me. And through the years, we'll be 10 years old this year. I can't make the statement that I'm about to say after 10 years of being in, in, in ministry at Faith Family. Prior to June 11th of 2018, I would kind of tithe. Y'all making this longer than it need to be. 
I would kind of tithe. I would kind of round the tithe. If $6,000 came in in a month, you know, when we were smaller, then I would give about $600. But I wasn't meticulous. I wasn't careful. I wasn't attentive. I wasn't doing it until I would, I would kind, I wasn't doing it consistently. And then at that same time, at June 10th of 2018, the church was living Sunday to Sunday, paycheck to paycheck. Come on, it's quiet. And if you've ever struggled financially and wonder why can't I kind of, why can't I quite catch my breath where money is concerned? It seems like I can get ahead a little bit and I'm knocked back a bit. Are you taking care of your family responsibilities? Are you taking care of your financial responsibilities? Well, on June the 13th this week, we completed one full year of honoring the Lord to the penny. I have been meticulous to the penny in honor. We have sown 10% and it's amazing. Attendance has been low during the summer times with graduations and vacations and travel. I mean, we only had this one section at one of the services. I mean, the other two sections, you know, didn't have anybody in them. And it's been for the past few weeks. But the tithes and offerings have not fell. We don't even pass an offering plate at Faith Family Church. Why? Our trust and our hope is in the Lord. And we teach what the word says. And we give you the opportunity to love God and to be responsible. Amen. The other side of family responsibilities to your church family is are you on a dream team? Because right now somebody's taking care of the kids, right? They're making it possible. Somebody at the end of service is going to take the trash out. Many of us were here last night to about 11 o'clock at night setting up the sound and the lights and the, the video and getting the air conditioning and getting the chairs right and doing all of that. And when you don't do your part in the family, ooh, this is good. I feel like I could take one step closer. <laughs> when you don't do your part in the family, somebody else has to pick up that spot. Somebody else has to take out that man. Somebody else has to stand on that post. Somebody else has to serve in that way. And God is saying, where are you? What are you doing? Successful Christians. Meditate the word every day. Pray every day. serve on a dream team and to come to church as often as humanly possible. Did y'all get anything out of this today? Amen. The Lord God said to Cain, where's Abel, your brother? And he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? We don't want to be your fake family. We want to be your faith family. We want to connect with you to the point where you know us and we know you. And then when we miss you, you can get a call. You can feel cared about. You can feel loved. Hey, brother, I didn't see you, man. Just want you to know you're on my heart. Thinking about you and your family and trust it all as well. Amen. Am I my brother's keeper? Oh, yes, I am. Amen. Our, our, Our natural family should be well taken care of and our spiritual family should be well taken care of. Amen? Go ahead and stand up on your feet. Thank you all for being here today. But before you dismiss, I want to lead you in a prayer. Maybe you're here and you're not saved or you're not sure you're saved 
and you want to give your life and you want to accept responsibility in prayer just like Jonah. Will you bow your heads with me for a moment? I'm not going to.